Hello friends, your host Billy Dean Shoemate III here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. Now with the last episode, I've enjoyed every episode of Strange Places so far, and I think by and large everybody else has too. But there were a couple people, you know, that <laughs> whenever I make an episode like um, Polybius or Robert the Doll, you know, thought the podcast was called Strange Places. Like, ah, come on. And we needed some kind of a moniker, yeah? We had to name it something. And I'm a, I'm fascinated by all things supernatural, paranormal. And the way I see it, I'm also fascinated by things that make your normal existence a strange place, that make your world a strange place. Earth is a strange place. And we're going to study everything that makes it that way. That sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's just, consider it the moniker of all the study that we do. But today, we're going to go back to form. And, uh, you know, according to some people, <laughs> and talk about a strange place indeed. This is the Kinter Haifek Farmstead. One of the creepiest and most famous unsolved murders in German history happened in 1922 on an isolated farmstead in Bavaria known as Hinterkaifeck. This farm was owned by the Gruber family, which included farmer Andreas. His wife, we'll just call her C. Whenever I can't pronounce a name out of respect, I'll just say the first letter. Their adult daughter, Victoria, and their two children, seven-year-old C and two-year-old Joseph, as well as a maid named Maria B. In April of 1922, the bodies of every member of the Gruber family were found slaughtered in hideous and gruesome fashion throughout the property under some pretty mysterious circumstances that have, even a century later, never been solved. As an article I read by Mental Floss put it the best, in the days leading up to the murders, Andreas had been noticing weird things at the farm, such as footsteps in the snow leading out to the woods toward the house and never leading back out, a newspaper in the house that he didn't remember buying, and one of the family's two house keys disappearing. While Andreas remarked, <clears throat> Andreas, am I saying that right? Remarked on these odd occurrences to his friends, he never reported them to the police. Another strange fact that went unremarked upon until after the murders was that of the Gruber's previous maid. This is important, and this is where a lot of the speculation comes from. The previous maid had quit six months prior due to the fact that she believed that the farm was haunted. When police asked her later why she believed Hinterkaifeck had ghosts, she said it was because she kept hearing footsteps in the attic and had a constant feeling of being watched. She said that it went beyond just feeling like a person was watching her. She said the place had a presence to it, and it hated all of them. Andreas had dismissed her concerns as superstition, much to his own detriment, it will turn out. And if you hear my cat going, ape shit, oh my god, cat! Doesn't say shit all day. Doesn't say nothing. I go to record, and it's like this on my other podcast too. I go to record, and he just does that, you know... Uh, like the thing in the cartoons where you see the cat on top of the fence trying the, to woo the female cat, you know? Wah, 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 wah. I think it's because he thinks that I'm tethered to this spot and I can't get up. Maybe that's it. But anyway, 
<laughs> the grizzly scene at the farmstead. Jeez. <clears throat> Despite the Gruber family's reputation for keeping to themselves, the town became concerned when the younger C didn't come to school on April 1st. Soon, the family's absence from church was noticed, as was the considerable amount of mail for them piling up at the post office. Now, by April 4th, a search party was assembled by neighboring families led by Lawrence Schlittenbauer. I got to try at least one. <laughs> Lawrence Schlittenbauer, a farmer who had previously had a relationship with the widowed Victoria. What they found was a truly shocking, grisly, and unforgettable scene. And uh, you might want to skip this next part if you don't care for those kinds of details. It's not for the faint of heart. According to the Atlas Obscura, the older C had her skull cracked from multiple blows to the head, as well as bearing signs of strangulation. Andreas had blood caked all over his face, face which was described as shredded with his cheekbones sticking out of ragged, torn skin. The daughter, Victoria, had her skull shattered as well, with signs that her face had been hit with a blunt object. The young C had her jaw shattered, and her face and neck were covered with slashing wounds. These bodies were found in the barn covered with hay, while the maid, Maria, and little Joseph were found inside the farmhouse covered with sheets and a dress, respectively. The two of them seemed to have died fairly quickly after a number of blows to the head and face. The tool used in the murders was likely a mattock, a uh, pickaxe-like tool used for digging. Now, out of the obvious tragedy, the previous maid who had been there for six months had quit. Uh, <laughs> either, uh, you know, moment of premonition or the luckiest woman in history. They get a new maid in, and I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, this had happened on her second day of work. Crazy. The members of the Gruber family likely all died instantly, with the exception of the seven-year-old C. Roughly pronounced, say, say Zelia, something like that. I'm sorry, I deeply apologize. I do have listeners in Germany. And uh, just out of respect, I hope you realize that I cannot pronounce those names very well. So that's why I'm doing the, um, you know, uh, initial. The autopsy revealed that she had lived several hours after the murders and clumps of her own hair found in her hands suggested she had torn out her hair in distress before dying of shock. Despite the horrifying offense, uh, fates of the Grubers, the search party found that the farm animals, this is weird too, the farm animals and the family dog had not been harmed and in fact had been fed and tended to in the days between the murders and their discovery. Yes, smoke had been seen coming from the chimney in those days as well, suggesting that the murderer had been living calmly at the farmstead. If the Gruber's farmer, former maid was to be believed, it's possible he had been living inside the Hinterkaifeck home for over six months. The police initially suspected vagrants, but nothing from the farm had been stolen, with large sums of money still found within the house. Nothing pointing to motive at all. Lauren Schlittenbauer, who had been in a relationship with Victoria and might have been even Joseph's father, actually. He was initially a suspect, but he was cleared of suspicion when police could not place him at the crime scene and on top of that having a pretty airtight alibi. Most heinously, rumors arose that Andreas had fathered Joseph of his own daughter. 
and had killed the whole family before turning the mattock on himself. However, none of the family's wounds were self-inflicted, including his, so this theory also kind of went the way of the dinosaur. The Hinterkaifeck murders had to have been perpetrated by someone familiar with the farm work, is one theory. As the killer maintained the farm for days and was handy with a mattock, but not someone who lived on the Gruber farm itself, obviously. The brutal nature of the murder suggested someone with a grudge against one or more members of the family. Despite this, police were unable to find anything. And so the most reasonable avenue of investigation was subsequently pursued. Psychics. Yeah. It's one of the rare times that police have uh, um, officially used psychics to try and solve a murder. Shortly after the autopsies of the Grubers, their, uh, this, like I said, not for the fame of faint of heart, so I'm warning you, their heads were removed and sent to Munich where clairvoyants were employed to seek out metaphysical clues from the Gruber family's skulls. Yes, that actually happened. The heads were removed from the bodies and sent to psychics so they could try and determine what had happened to them. If that isn't uh, desperation on the part of the police department, I don't know what is. I know this was um, you know, a, a, a time that had long passed. I don't know anything about the... Um, you know, uh, what, what What am I looking for? How German civilization was back then and, you know, the uh, how they handled things and how their society was, their belief systems, you know, stuff like that. But that is pretty, uh, that's, that's some pretty heavy stuff. Consequently, the psychics uh, didn't produce any kind of luck at all. The Hinterkaifeck farm was demolished the year after the killings and the Grubers were laid to rest in a nearby cemetery without their heads, actually which were lost during the chaos of World War II. A monument stands today near where the farm used to be, memorializing the victims. Meanwhile, in 2007, the local police academy took on the Hinterkaifeck murders as a cold case, despite the degradation and loss of evidence from the original crime scene. The death of various suspects and the relative crudity of the initial investigation, partly due to the time, partly due to... Uh, some major mistakes that were done by the police at the time. The Academy was unable to conclusively solve the murder, but they did devise a theory that had been kept private out of respect for the families of those involved. Now that's important. They did not conclusively solve anything publicly, but they did devise a theory that has been kept private out of respect for the families of those involved. They notified the family and they kept their theory under lock and key. As a result, the Hinterkaifeck murders remain and may always remain completely unsolved. This is one of the most puzzling unsolved crimes in German history. Four of the dead bodies were stacked up in the barn, the victims having been lured into the barn one by one. Prior to the incident, the family and their uh, previous maid reported hearing horrible sounds coming from the attic, which led to that maid quitting, swearing, even afterwards that this place was haunted and the family was murdered by a ghost. Less than a year, the farm was demolished, destroying any additional evidence that may have been there. And there's kind of some rumors floating around the area still today that the police had confirmed that they were killed by a ghost and either to avoid embarrassment on the you know uh, police department or uh, to keep, sweep that under the rug, what have you, they demolished the house. Still, either way, 
I think it was a pretty dumb move on the part of the police. Makes them look, look inept anyway, right? This happened... See, the new maid, Maria uh, Baumgartner, she arrived at the farm. Her, her sister uh, had escorted her there and left the farm after a short stay. She was most likely the last person to see all of them alive. It appears that in the late evening, you got to remember, this was the maid's like first or second day that this, is ha- this had happened, on top of all the other tragedy there. Crazy. Four whole days passed between the murders and the discovery of the bodies. They, uh, I guess to take an order of the farmstead or to you know, order something, you know, for the family on a regular basis... A couple of people, you know, were uh, sent to the house. When no one responded, they walked around, found nobody. They only noticed that the gate to the machine house was open before they decided to leave. Uh, they were the family was absent. An assembler went to Kinterhaifak on April fourth to repair the engine of the food chopper. He stated that he had not seen any of the family, heard nothing but the sounds of the farm animals, dog inside the barn. After waiting for an hour. He started his repair, which he completed in four and a half hours. And that four and a half hours didn't see anybody. Now, one of the theories is that there was a, a, you know, obviously someone who either had a grudge at the family, some kind of crazy person that had been squatting in the homestead for months. Now, I want to look at some photos because I want to get a, I want to get an idea as to how large this homestead is. Is this a place where somebody could have squatted for six solid months? Now, the photos of the Hinterkaifeck murders, I think this is where a lot of the spooky speculation comes from, is that these photos were, you know, taken in the 1920s. They have a bizarre look to them, especially the photos taken of the bodies when they were found. They're spooky. They are really spooky photos. You know what they remind me of, actually? You're going to laugh at this, but you've read those uh, kids' books, the originals, not the ones that were freaking redone by the Lemony Snicket dude, the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark books. This is what they look like. I don't know why, but it just uh, it conjures those images up in my head, the way that they were drawn, the way that they were painted, the black and white kind of bleeding looking light to it, you know, slightly underexposed. Really, the photos are creepy. They are creepy. And I don't know if it's just the aesthetic, the time in which they the, the photos were taken. And I think a lot of the speculation that they were killed by a ghost you know, has a lot to do with the photos. The photos are just very unnerving looking. Now looking at the photos of the homestead, ah... I mean, it was a large plot of land. There was a large house area, barn area, a machine shop. I don't know. Possibly someone could have been squatting there for six months, which is one of the theories. Other theory, of course, being that the family was murdered by a ghost. There are inconsistencies with the investigation, as I said before. Um, in the inspection record, of the court commission, it was noticed that the victims were probably drawn into the barn by restlessness and the stable resulting in noises from the animals. A later attempt, however, revealed that at least human screams from the barn could not be heard if you were in that living area. 
On the night after the crime, three days before the bodies were discovered, the artisan Michael P. happened to pass by Hinterkaifeck. He observed that the oven had been heated by someone. That person had approached him with a lantern and blinded him, whereupon he hastily continued on his way. He also noticed that the smoke from the fireplace had a disgusting smell. This instance was not investigated. There were no investigations conducted to determine that a person was out there at all and that someone had seen somebody or burned in the oven. That we have to dismiss. We have to dismiss it. That's all hearsay shit. Now, on April 1st at about 3 a.m., the farmer and butcher Simon R. on the way home near Brunin saw two unknown figures at the edge of the forest. When the strangers saw him, they turned around so their faces could not be seen. Later, when he heard of the murders at Hinterkaifeck, he thought it possible the strangers might be involved. Again, another inconsistent statement. Nothing ever came of it. In the middle of May of 1927, a stranger was said to have stopped at, uh, said to have stopped a resident at uh, around the area at midnight. He asked him questions about the murder and then shouted he was the murderer before he ran into the woods. Stranger, this uh, this one actually did happen. This one is documented, but the stranger was never identified. The police, upon investigating it, said that it had to have been just some local loony. The way that the bodies were displayed, the way that I'm trying really hard not to, uh, I'm trying really hard to overlook just the insane creepiness of these photos. Because it looks like something that you would see out of, like I said, scary stories to tell in the dark or some kind of a horror movie. The pictures are fucking creepy, man. And there's a lot of people in the area that to this day, even the former maid herself were claimed that they were killed by something evil, a, a spirit, a ghost. And they often point to the footsteps. There were often footsteps in the dirt and the snow and the what have you that would just go out into the, you know, uh, where the tree line was and just stop in the middle of nowhere, as if whatever was walking just vanished. And a lot of other weird things like that. They would go to investigate sounds that were feet away, feet away, and find nothing. So that's a very prevalent explanation, is that this could be the very first documented murder of anybody by something that was not physically of this world. Many books and newspaper articles have been... I wrote a short story about it myself, actually. <laughs> I've been devoted to the murders. A documentary film, Hinterkaifeck, Symbol des... Uh, I cannot pronounce that. 1981 is based on a book that came out uh, around the same time. Now, uh, like with everything, it offers its own kind of explanation as to what happened. In 2007... Uh, This is a famous deal in that area, especially. In 2007, 15 students, like I said, of the local police academy, this is what gets me, is that they arrived at a theory that they were pretty satisfied by. Didn't tell the public about this at all. I guess out of respect for the families, what have you. And it's very... The police haven't helped themselves out (laughs) at all here by... Destroying the property, having kind of a lackluster investigation, even for the time this investigation was kind of botched. And independent investigations offering nothing new. As a matter of fact, purposely keeping things under wraps for the family and, you know, what have you. Odd. 
Really weird. Which even leads further to the speculation that the police knew something. Cutting off heads and sending it to psychics? That's like something out of a novel. That's crazy. I mean, even for the time, that's just, that's, uh, that's unreal. So really anything that the police does at this point is going to look, make them look even more inept. They haven't helped themselves out any at all, which I think further fueled this theory that the family had been killed by something ghastly. In 2017, the last chapter of The Man from the Train by Bill James and his daughter, Rachel McCarthy James, briefly discussed the murders at Hinterkaifeck. The authors explain the possibility that the German crimes may have been committed by a guy named Paul Mueller, the titular serial killer the authors believed killed several families in the U.S. under similar circumstances between 1898 and 1912. The murders attributed to Mueller, including the... Uh, uh, the you know the axe murders were apparently random nighttime home invasions or near small railroad towns that left entire families bludgeoned to death with the blunt end of an axe and were probably motivated by a sadistic and necrophiliac attraction to prepubescent females the authors rate the chances of Mueller as the Hinterkaifeck killer are more or less of a toss up but include there's no reason to believe that it's not him and completely ignored the fact uh, that somehow he ended up in fucking Germany. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, speculation is everywhere. Everywhere. There's quite the suspect list that I'm looking at. Now we have to examine that portion of it too, because what I'm going to straight up say, what I will straight up tell you, is the case is creepy. What the maid said is creepy. I know a lot of people in the area are just dead set that there was something haunted about that house, there was something weird about that house, maybe. But as far as, you know, what I can just gather in my common sense brain here, uh, this is the most chilling and mysterious crime in German history. And I emphasize the word crime. I don't think this family was killed by a ghost at all. I mean, look at it. Smoke was coming out of the chimney. Animals were fed and tended to. Right? The crops were attended to. The animals were tended to and fed. Someone had lived at that house. Someone was cooking. Somebody was eating. All the while, the family is dead in these horrible, ghastly ways, scattered all throughout the property. The bodies had not been messed with. What gets people is that there was no motive at all. But another thing is, you know, that people seem to forget is that you know, some people out there are just fucking nuts. You know what I mean? that this would get somebody's jollies going. Six bodies at that farm. So somebody's living there at the time for four days with uh, one body in the barn, another one uh, in the barn as well. Actually, two more in the barn. Uh, let's see, another one in her own bed. Joseph in his own crib. That points to me that the person who did this, obviously, was quite disturbed. Do I think it was a ghost? Absolutely not. No way. Would a ghost stick around? Do ghosts eat? Do they need to use the oven? <laughs> right? Do they need to heat the house? Do they need to do this and that? Um, I think that a lot of these ghost rumors come from not only the former maid. Because, you know, obviously the person who was... I think somebody was squatting there. I don't know if they had anything to do with uh, any kind of grudge against the family or if they knew the family or what have you. But it's painfully obvious to me 
that someone had been squatting at that house, was living there, and they, these murders were planned, they were calculated, they were um, yeah, they were just murders, plain and simple. Out of the suspect list, and I've read through quite a few of them, there's uh, Carl Gabriel. Uh, he's the husband of Victoria Gabriel. He um, reportedly killed an RS France by a shell attack in December of 1914 during the First World War. However, his body has never recovered. After the murders, people began to speculate if he had actually died in the war or not. Victoria Gabriel had given birth to Joseph in her husband's absence. Two-year-old Joseph was rumored to be the son of Victoria and her father, Andreas, who had an incestuous relationship that was determined in court and known in the village. Determined in court, or or documented in court, I'm sorry. Never proven. And known to the village. He and his daughter, you know, and the town convinced them both of incestuous relationship. After the end of the Second World War, Captives uh, in that region who were released prematurely from Soviet captivity claimed that they had been sent home by a German-speaking Soviet officer who claimed to be the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. That, again, really unverifiable. This was a big deal back in the day. This was a scandal. This was a major thing. So I think naturally, you're going to get a lot of people saying that they did it, right? To get, I don't, you know, people are just fucking crazy. Another uh, suspect is Lawrence Schlittenbauer. He was believed to have a a relationship with uh, Victoria Gabriel and Father Joseph. Came under suspicion by locals early in the investigation because of his several suspicious actions immediately after uh, after the discovery of the bodies. When Schlittenbauer and his friends arrived to investigate, they had to break a gate to enter the barn because all the doors were locked. However... Immediately after finding the four bodies in the barn, Schlittenbauer apparently unlocked the first door with the key and entered the house all by himself. A big no-no when you're dealing with a crime scene. Even if you're not a cop. That's just common sense. Maybe he was keyed up? I don't know. A key to the house had gone missing several days before the murders. Kind of strange. Though it's also possible that Schlittenbauer, as a neighbor or as Victoria's potential lover, might have been given a key. When asked by his companions why he'd gone to the house alone, it was unclear if the murderer might still be there. He stated that when he went to look for his son Joseph, regardless of any of the above rumor, it's known that Schlittenbauer had disturbed the bodies at the scene, thus potentially compromising the investigation. He's a a big one. There are other suspects. The Gump brothers. No, it's not a joke. Adolf and Anton Gump, in relation to the murders, uh, their sister claimed on her deathbed that Adolf and Anton had committed the murders. These things happen. You know, these things come out of the woodwork all the time. Carl and Andrea S., Peter Weber, the Bischler brothers, and George Seigel, the Fatler brothers, Paul Mueller. Suspects just keep going and going and going. But the reason why I wanted to tackle this on Strange Places is because there are people that just hold to it. They just hold to it that this family was killed by something supernatural. And I just don't see that. There are things going on. And like, uh, based on what the maid said, okay, you could reasonably you know, speculate, oh my God, well, what if this place was haunted? She was hearing sounds that were coming from feet away. You know, they never discovered anybody. She said the house had a weird presence to it. It sets the stage, you know. The photos. The photos are bizarre. They really are. 
like I said, I don't know if it's just a trick of the brain with how old these photos are, how the bodies were displayed, how kind of weird and uh, uh, almost underexposed the photos are. It They just have a really creepy fucking look to them. The fact that heads were removed and sent to clairvoyance in the area because the police were so desperate to solve the investigation, that didn't make anything any easier, right? I think at that point, if that's all we had, that might be a pretty compelling case, honestly, that, <laughs> excuse me, something supernatural had happened to, to this family. But just the fact that the animals were tended to, the house had to be heated, obviously somebody was cooking in there, that points to something, uh, someone, I should say, committed those murders or something. Let's just say something, okay? Committed those murders that obviously needed to live in a heated home and eat food and, uh, you know, wanted to uh, take care of the, the animals for some fucking reason, right? That just points to human to me. And I think, I, I don't know why a lot of people overlook that. Hinter Kaifek is one of the most requested things that uh, you know, people want me to talk about on strange places, and it is a weird one. It is a, a, a <laughs> it is a really, really bizarre story. And although I am, you know, like I'll just tell you straight up. Although I am completely one hundred million ten percent <laughs> debunking this thing, completely debunking it. I don't see any evidence for any supernatural occurrence whatsoever. I think that this one is just a really, really amazing case, man. It's just bizarre. It really, it really is. I think the photos have a lot to do with it. The botched police investigation. If, if you're not squeamish, if, if not for the faint of heart kind of stuff, okay, look at these photos. And if you didn't know the story, you would just look at these things and your 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 intuition would tell you that something really bizarre happened here. These aren't just crime scene photos, right? This is this is something spooky. This is something supernatural. This is one of the rare cases I think where your intuition is going to completely fail you. <laughs> when you see smoke coming out of a chimney, when you see animals tended to, when you see food being eaten, that tells you that whatever committed these murders needed to sustain their body, right? Ghosts don't need to do that. I think someone had been squatting at the Hinter Kaifek farmstead for quite some time. These murders were planned. They were exactly done. I don't know what suspect it is, but I do think, yes, indeed, it was a human being. I think that whoever was squatting at this farmstead had a intimate knowledge of the property they had to have because i mean this place is huge but it's not a fucking fortress it's not it's a big property but damn uh you know camping out in this place for six months and not being discovered i don't know if just any stranger could have done that looking at these pictures no way someone had to have a very intricate knowledge of this homestead and i think it was somebody that the that the family knew It'd be really intriguing to find out what that independent investigation by the police academy said if they arrived to the same conclusion. But I, I think, honestly, the um, somebody in an official capacity needs to come out and at least offer some kind of theory <laughs> as to what happened to Anthrokaifek. Because the belief around there, 
is just so adamant that there was something supernatural going on. And you still see it in books and in uh, movies and in the YouTube videos and stuff like that. Hinter Kaifek in this fucking podcast right here. I'm doing it too. <laughs> On these supernatural and paranormal things and all that, where Hinter Kaifek is just discussed. I mean, that's why I think that Strange Places is, is unique, because we'll straight up say after our study, after we really look into it and use our common sense brains, we'll, you know, straight up say, I think this is complete horseshit. I think this was a ghastly murder and nothing more. So what do you guys think about the Hinter Kaifek farmstead murders? Let me know. And if there's anything you want me to discuss on Strange Places, any place that, uh, you know, kind of twirls your beanie, tickles your pickle, let me know. And I would love to make an episode about it. I love stuff like this. If it's something I don't know, the research is just as fun. So anything you want me to talk about on Strange Places, throw it at me. Go on Asylum817.com. It's my website, Asylum817.com. For all things Strange Places related, no disclosure, my other podcasts related, and all the other artistic wacky things that I do. The books, the music, the painting. Yeah, I do all that. I am I know. I'm weird. I'm just one of those guys. All these wacky things that I do. <laughs> My 37th novel is uh, coming out really soon. I'm in the, it just balls deep in the first draft of it right now. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a musician. Made, uh, yeah, just, I do things. Okay. <laughs> Make sure to go on Asylum817.com for all that. All of our social media links are there, as well as the link to get to our Patreon account, Yeah, where you can get early access to shows, bonus things, giveaways at certain tiers, all kinds of awesome stuff. Radio ads for your business or charity, audio ads, uh, giveaway art on some of the tiers, and cool stuff like that. Check it out. Podcasts, uh, unfortunately, things break. Things go bad. Cables go south on me. Shit happens. And it costs money to run a podcast. So every little bit helps. Even if it's just a dollar a month, it's greatly appreciated. Just you listening and clicking the affiliate links and stuff like that, which a lot of you have been doing, that keeps this show going. And I really appreciate it. Now, uh, yeah, <laughs> I am I am very appreciative of that. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Conkle Homestead YouTube channel, Donald, David, Special shout out to the Curtis Rose YouTube channel. I really appreciate it. You guys do keep this thing going. Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is the place for an independent or unsigned musician to get their music on every streaming platform imaginable. If you want your music out there for the world to hear, look no further. See, I'm picky with sponsors. If someone contacts me to be a part of this thing, I want it to be a company and a product that I actually use myself on a regular basis. All of my albums and singles that I've ever released have been through DistroKid, so believe me when I tell you they are the real deal. I've been a musician for a long time, and when I say that DistroKid gives you 100% of your royalties, I still feel like I need to pinch myself. The industry does not work that way. For only 20 bucks a year, yeah, you heard me right, 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music you made and get it out everywhere people stream music. My albums are worldwide, yours should be too. 
By going to the link provided in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year of the already insane measly 20 bucks a year. You'll be supporting the show and getting your music heard, so check out the affiliate link in this episode's description. Thanks, DistroKid, for being a part of Strange Places and for giving this old dog an audience.